Blog Talk Radio. People tell real stories of alcohol addiction and recovery. I'm Catherine, and I'm here tonight with my lovely co-host, Jean. Hi, Jean. Hi, Catherine. And How are you? Good. I see you there working on the board here, so I don't know if you've had luck with some of our technical difficulties tonight. I think uh, I have had luck, I think. We'll find out in a moment. <laughs> okay, great. So Amanda and Ellie are at a sober holiday party tonight having some sober fun. And, yes, you heard that right. I said the words sober and fun in the same sentence. That's what we're here to talk about tonight. A common fear of getting sober is that we won't ever have fun again. Our memories of celebrations, nights out, socializing with friends typically include alcohol. So we can't imagine what we will do without it. Will our friends still want to hang out with us? Will we still laugh? What on earth will we do now that we don't drink? So tonight, to help us answer those pressing questions and quelling our fears, we are joined hopefully by two of the most fun people we know, both Bubble Hour veterans, but that is where some of our technical difficulty is coming in. Um, we are trying to get Lada Dan on the line. She's in from New Zealand. So we're, we have a truly international um, podcast tonight with representatives from the United States, Canada, and New Zealand. So Lada, were we able to get you? I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, my God. Yay! You are magic, girl. <laughs> Jean. I'm going to tell you, Jean, you you are even more magic on the, on the old... Uh, studio, blog talk you know, radio, on air studio. I take no credit. Lotta achieved this all by herself. She got herself onto the show all by herself, all the way from across the globe. So we are well, so this, this is amazing. So this is it's a bubble hour miracle, folks. So, well, thanks for being here, Lotta. Lotta Dan is better known in the blogosphere as Mrs. D., she pens the recovery blog, Mrs. D is Going Without, and she recently published a book of the same name. Her blog, which you can find at the link livingwithoutalcohol.blogspot.com, was named by Healthline as one of the top blogs about alcoholism in 2014. So thank you so much, Lada, for being here, and that's, this is amazing that we were able to make it work. I think it's it's Monday afternoon your time right so we it's a very hot, very hot and sunny monday afternoon and it's so cool to be back on the bubble hour we are big fans down under the recovery community um i share a link to your podcast every week on our website living sober and everyone listens to you here in the land of the long white cloud which is what we call new zealand so it's great to be on the line with you guys well, we're big fans uh, of, of all of you, and I, I love your new um, recovery community, too, Lada. Um, so, so thank you for mentioning that for our guests. Um, we are we were just talking about our statistics, and we are now at over thirty thousand listeners a month. So, I just want to send a big hug out to everybody there in podcast lands too, who, who's listening, um, whether live or. Um, and, a, and a download podcast. And we're also joined tonight by Scott, a sober musician who never fails to make us laugh here in the bubble hour. Scott shared his poignant list of freedoms that we find in recovery in our June 29, 2014 episode called In Recovery, We Find Freedom. And he brought down the house in our Sober on Stage episode on October 5th of this year. So hi, Scott. Welcome back. Hello, bubble hour. <laughs> Hi, Scott. 
Wait, I don't hear the audience. I don't hear the, the clapping. <laughs> uh, you know what? That that beginning was so exciting uh, with the that possible so technical exciting. difficulties into an international guest. It's just it's amazing. This has been a great show already. Yeah. We can, but we thank can you for having me again. <laughs> and you see, this is fun already. And, and I also, I'm having this thought as well where we're literally watching the clock count down and we're trying to get Lada on the line. And like the old me, when I was still <laughs> drinking, I would, I would have been apoplectic with like, what if we can't get her? Then this is going to go not as planned. And I would have freaked out. And in this time, I was like, trying to just stay cool. It'll work out one way or the other. And it exceeded my expectations. So that's a, maybe we'll do another episode about, about that. Or I have to re-listen to the perfectionism episode, I guess. Um, but tonight, right smack dab in the middle of the holiday season, hopefully folks got to listen to last week's episode about putting together your holiday survival kit. So we wanted to talk about having fun, and um, Lada and Scott, you're probably two of the most fun people I feel like I know, so you were the obvious choices to to have on here, so thank you again. Um, so let's, kind of, let's start by talking about this fear, and I know I had this, so I, I don't know if anybody wants to comment on it, but I really thought I'll never have fun again if I give up alcohol. That was That was an honest hurdle. I thought I won't be able to, I live in a big city and that's what people do. We go to wine bars, we go to crummy, you know, dumpy bars. <laughs> well, maybe that was just me, but, um, you know, that's, everything seems to revolve around alcohol. And I thought, what on earth will I do? Um, so I don't know, Lada, was that something that you felt like you had in your head before you got sober? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, a big, part of my identity is is fun lotta and because I'd been a drinker my you know my whole adult life or since I was 15 actually so not even an adult my identity was actually fun drinking lotta and I had the two things just completely meshed and I was absolutely terrified that the fun was going to stop and worse than that, that I was going to be a boring, sober loser for the rest of my life and that no one would want to hang out with me. You know, I love being a hostess. I love having fun at a party. And I didn't think that that was going to be possible without the alcohol. I was really, really terrified of that. But because I knew I had no option but to stop drinking because it was getting really bad, I just had to dive into that fear. Because what else are you going to do? So mm-hmm. it was just a matter of trial and error until I managed to find the fun again. But absolutely, the fear is real. And it's terrifying. I mean, you know what it's like when you're standing on the yeah. edge of the cliff, staring at a life with no alcohol in it, and it looks like a big, deep, dark ocean, and you have to jump into it. It's It's horrible. Well, and I'm also hearing, too, when you say that you really identified as fun Lada, I mean, it's it's also, it's not just sort of how you conceive of life, but you're putting it really well here. It's like how we conceive of our identity. Like, who will I be? Not even just what will I do? Who will I be? Will I be that person anymore? Yeah, how can I be that person that I like? I like the fun Lotta. How can I be her? What if I'm not her anymore when I take the alcohol away? What if I don't like who I become? Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was really scary. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I had this fear of what if I'm not a fun person? I I, te- I can tend towards the very earnest and sometimes even uptight. So. I, you know, I I sort of felt like I would need quote unquote need alcohol to relax and be fun. So like, yeah, what because if I we all that? have to be smiley all the time. You know, this right. is what we believe. If we're not smiley right. and having fun, if we're not on the dance floor, there's a problem. And that, right. you know, my my twisted drinker's brain was telling me that. And and that's the thing mm-hmm. that's actually bollocks because we're not 
all fun all of the time. Right. <laughs> so part of being a lover is how, this is Jean Lotta. I, I want to know how this played out for you, though. Like, did you find um, yourself still able to have fun, and were you surprised at your capacity to have fun in spite of your sobriety? Or it took a long time. It took a lot of yeah. It took a lot of trial and error, and just going out to events. And you know, at first, I felt really alien in my own skin, and, and like, almost like I was wearing a gorilla suit. Um, that no one else could see because I I had my security blanket, you know, fun persona taken away from me. And so I was pretty awkward and uncomfortable and I would do things like smoke heaps of cigarettes or have far too many energy drinks to try and create that vibe that I'd had when I was drinking. But the longer I went, you know, without drinking and the more times I went out to parties and then occasionally hit on a really good one when I actually had a really fun time without drinking, the more I realized the power wasn't in the glass, it was in me. And Mm -hmm. that if everything lined up for me, I felt good, I was in a good mood, it was the right crowd, I liked the music or the food or whatever, and I had a great night. I had a great night. I mean, I totally had a great night. And I would be the last on the dance floor, and I would almost feel drunk. I was having so much fun. And then I'd realize, so this isn't about me drinking, this is about me and the party. But, you know, sometimes... That doesn't happen. Either I'm in a bad mood or I don't like my dress or it's not my crowd and I don't feel comfortable or whatever. And I do stand there and I feel a bit, I wouldn't even say it's flat, but I'm just not that fun person. But now I don't mind that because I think that's real too. So I'm not sort of Mm -hmm. so desperate for everything to be the best party ever in the history of the world every time I go out. (laughs) So it's just been a settling down, you know, into into myself when I'm out socially. Yeah, it's that sort of getting right-sized about our expectations and about what life is supposed to serve up or who we're supposed to be. It, it doesn't have to be these extremes. No, and sometimes I've had the most fun at parties sitting on a sofa to the side of the room having a lovely, quiet chat with two people that I probably wouldn't have normally bothered with because they're not boozing, and we have a really special, memorable, you know, conversation at midnight at a wedding that I never would have had before, and that's what I now remember, and for me, that's fun, you know? So it's it's how do we define fun? Well, I would have probably had that conversation because when I was drunk, I just would never shut up and I would get into these, like, big, long conversations. <laughs> and then, of course, I'd be blacked out. So I, like, wouldn't, I'd be like, I think I was talking to Jean. And then I don't remember okay. what happened. Were you they know? conversations or were they monologues? <laughs> yeah, it probably monologues. Who would know? I mean, I wouldn't know. I was blacked out by that time. So I don't know. Luckily, you and I didn't meet until I got sober, Jean. So you you never I don't believe you were ever like that. You you didn't have to suffer. Um, Scott, what about you? I mean, I know we talked a little bit about this on the sober on stage episode when you're talking about like performing and how that alcohol sort of played into your thoughts about that. But you know, did you have that fear of wondering if you'd ever be fun again? Uh, somewhat, yes. It, it, you know what? I listening to a lot of story. It really sounded like that the night at the party was like out of a movie when the hero all of a sudden realizes they're like doing the magical thing, but they don't have the cape or the cloak or the thing that you know the training tool. And then they hear the mm-hmm. voice like, "It was in you the whole time." You know, like that. <laughs> that. So I, I've kind of had a similar experience where I am definitely still the goofball. Uh, that I was, and and it's funny because I, if you if I think about realistically, in my life, uh, the the course of events, I was fun and outgoing and stuff long before I was a drinker and drinking, and uh, so it's funny that alcohol kind of brainwashed me into believing that that was part of the the chemistry when I was always an outgoing person and, and had that going so. Um, that fear 
uh, was misguided. And looking back, it was, you know, part of the reasons when, for me at least, it was alcohol uh, or the the disease or whatever of alcoholism saying, hey, this isn't, it's going to be something that you don't like when this happens. But pretty quickly, I was able to jump back into having real pure fun uh, and luckily got, got over that kind of quickly. So what about, what about, I'm curious, like, what about somebody in very early sobriety when, when we kind of go through this, you know, grieving period of mourning our friend alcohol and then maybe physically we're not feeling great and we're just, you know, having all of those kind of readjustment feelings, you know, what, Gene, what would you say to somebody in that kind of period who might be listening and saying, like, "Yeah, that's great, guys," but you know, I'm I'm in the I'm in the throes of the very beginning here, and and you, be, before you, know. you answer that, Gene, I I just like to say that I am a rare breed of a fun kind of guy. So I remember last time when we were talking, it, it's I sometimes feel that I'm cheating on the bubble hour because I'm having I have such what? fun naturally. That's an outrage. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have so much fun naturally that I, I understand that a lot of the listeners might, you know, not relate with someone who jumps back into fun that fast. But you Well, know, that's okay maybe because it's... I'm not fun at all. So I, good, I'm, good. I'm, I'm, noticed, I'm very and, uh, serious. I'm very okay, serious. I hate what you're to saying. Jump in. Yeah, I agree but with I do you feel sometimes it's, uh, yeah, I jump over too quickly. And, and for other people, it's like, hey, I'm not like that. I'm an introvert, and it's not going to yeah. work for me like that. Yeah. yeah, I hear you 100%, Scott, and I think I think the same thing. I mean, you sound like me. We're both naturally extroverted and right. social. So for us, you know, it, it, it's kind of easy for us to fall into that state naturally where we are having fun without the booze. But some people get sober and discover they're actually naturally introverted, and for them, fun is actually right. being either out with one or two people in a quiet, lovely environment or at home doing something solitary and lovely, and that can be their fun. So right. I don't want people to kind of listen and think, if, I don't, if I'm not dancing at a party Me too. Um, yeah. sober, I, then I'm, I'm a loser and, and I'm failing at sobriety. But I think authenticity is the key word here. You find your yes. authentic fun. You are I smart, love that. Robin. That's exactly right on. Yeah. That's true because, you know, I, I, I won't speak for Gene, um, but I think Gene and I might have some of the same kind of personality traits of maybe needing a little more time to ourselves. Gene, I don't know if you would en- identify as an introvert, but, you know, I think you, you know and what I, I am? I'm, an, I'm a Gemini, so I need equally oh, large okay. amounts of quiet yeah. time and then lots of people time. And I, so I need a lot of both. But I, what you were saying earlier about feeling kind of crappy as you're detoxing and grieving, I do remember going through that and really worrying that no one was ever going to want to be around me again and that I would never be fun or have fun. I, I did go through that. And, and I can almost guarantee that there's listeners listening that feel that way. And I just I would say to them, you're, you are right on course if that's how you're feeling. Um, you know what, we've, we've been there. A lot of us have felt the same way. And, and take heart, just keep going through it. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Stay sober, it gets better. You get through the physical crappiness and you start to feel really good. And grieving, you, literally you have to grieve this sad transition of losing something that you thought you loved that maybe had betrayed you, you know, and um, and that heals too. And eventually you get to where, as Lada said, you really can be more authentic. You laugh and you don't worry, oh, was that a drunken cackle or was that too loud? Um, can people tell I've been drinking? You, it, it's, it's so much less self-conscious and it's freeing. And then comes this next stage, which I'm finding really amazing, where you start to actually enjoy just the little everyday things that you're doing because you're not just trying to get through them so you can get home and have your wine or, you know, get to wherever the drinking is. You actually start to enjoy all parts of your day again. And, you know, take, take heart and take hope because those things do lie ahead. It gets so much better. Yeah, you know, this, this notion of, authenticity being authentic in the present moment whether it's just a small everyday thing authentic about how we're actually feeling 
there's something in that that is freeing of judgment. So, like, mm-hmm. if if my idea of a great time is reading a book by myself, which for me it is, that's really fun for me. But instead of thinking, like, oh, I'm such a loser, I should be out tonight, um, or I should be, you know, doing something bigger or grander, we can take away that if we if we set aside that judgment by really tapping into you know who we are what we're authentically feeling um i mean that might that could be one of the major keys to sobriety itself right not just yeah and if you're having a thought in your brain that's telling you that the whole world is out on saturday night having fun partying except (laughs) for you you tell that thought that it's lying (laughs) because it's not true (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's true. I I learned something very helpful that any any words that are absolute are actually the words of childhood. So if you say the whole world, everybody, everybody's doing this, or no one would do that, or it's always this way, or it's never that other way, um, any kind of absolute words, um, they they limit our ability to really be present in our in our true lives um so that's true that that but it's it can be a really common thought to creep into our heads can it yeah and the other thing to say about parties i think is that the truth of the matter is they're hit and miss you know even mm-hmm. if you're drinking some parties are fun and some aren't so if you're having a sober party and you feel a bit awkward and you go home and you feel a bit flat, don't think that's the way all sober parties and events are going to be. I think the nature of social events is they are hit and miss because of all of those other factors you know, that I mentioned before, your mood, your outfit, the crowd, whatever, the environment. So just, you know, you can't, if you have one that's, that's not fun, and I still do, I have them and they're not they're not fun and I go home and I feel a bit flat then that's just the way it is and it's not the end, you know it's not the end of the world you just go to the next one and it might be better or whatever <laughs> you know yeah so that's sort of that that honesty piece of like okay you know that's just the way it was or if everybody's raging drunk and you go to a party and you're feeling like oh, none of my sober mates are there then you can go that's home that's never going to be fun <laughs> yeah that's never going to be fun and so I think you know these holiday episodes that we've been doing have been useful and kind of tackling those you know being being honest about it um, so I'm just thinking you know what what do you find fun now so Scott you know do you still engage in any, any of the same activities just without alcohol or have you found new activities well, one of the awesome benefits of not drinking for me uh, is just the the being so much more present with everything. And so my fun is actually much purer, and it's hard to explain that, um, but I'll try to. Uh, it's more creative. Uh, you know, I guess, and one example, I have two kids, and uh like playing board games with the kids. And I'm a kid, I I grew up loving board games, but while I was drinking and stuff, I would play board games or or do stuff with the kids, and it was always fun. But it was kind of like an essence of the game or something like that. You know, I wasn't really present with the game or the kids and stuff like that. But even something as simple as playing cards or or a, a game has this fun that is it i'm sure was always attached to it but that just kind of alcohol and the the haze of alcohol kind of blends all fun into just this kind of feeling of just you're satisfied and i've learned a lot Mm. of like what i thought was fun when i was drinking is just like kind of i'm satisfied or like (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. uh my body i'm being told that this is fine and 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 stuff like that so now when i'm playing these games or simple things like that 
not only am I more present, but then we get more creative and more in depth with the things that we do. And when I do pranks now on friends, well, you know, that's stuff I always <laughs> like to try to do, but now like I get really in depth and I take time and effort and, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I'm serious about my fun now and I get fun done and I get it done. Uh, as a matter of fact, actually, oh, I'm sorry. Someone just, uh, I did invite someone here because uh, I had a sore throat. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to talk the whole time. But um, he's also a recovering addict. Uh, Clowno, would you you want to say hello? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Clowno has been uh, – he stopped around the same time I did. And actually, Clowno, who thought that he could have trouble performing this in front of young kids' uh, birthdays, the funniest thing happened with that is that <laughs> – uh, I had a review of one of these performances that Clowno did, and the review was, oh, we loved the drunk, and uh, oh, knowing no. that Clowno was completely sober, <laughs> it was such a, and I think that these people might have actually thought drinking was involved, but again, like, the things that uh, are much more present, and Clowno himself, I know, used to do clown jobs while he was still drinking and would probably have a couple uh, drinks to get him up there, Uh he was very afraid that he wouldn't be funny without it. But again, the, the, the subtlety is in the moments and that's much more easily caught when you're not uh, in that haze of satisfaction. So his career has really taken off then I can just imagine. Uh, I don't had, had your career. Yes. yes he's, <laughs> he's shaking his head. He sounds head. very happy. Yeah. He is much happier now. He used to have more like a, <laughs> but now it's, <laughs> but, and you know, I love what you said about the nuances. You know, like you you can you can have a nuanced you know experience in without that haze of alcohol that just sort of blends everything together. So it sort of seems fun or vaguely dangerous <laughs> or something yeah. all at the same time. Depending well, on the I had situation. a friend. Uh... Just just last weekend, I was at a friend's house, uh, the neighbors, and their sister was asking me because she noticed I wasn't drinking, and it turned into this thing. Oh, you know, was he any different? And my neighbor said, you know, Scott still hangs out till two in the morning and parties with the rest of us. But I will say one thing: when the fireworks come out now, he's a little bit more responsible about them. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess in That's that a sense. Critical piece. It, I know, and and she, I think, was almost saying it as an insult, like I wasn't ready to like hold fireworks in my hands anymore. But in my head, I was like, well, not, I was still having fun, but just not doing fireworks irresponsibly, you know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of funny when you when you think that uh, what other people think of the difference of you when you have stopped drinking and you're in those fun environments. That you know, I think they're even surprised. Oh my gosh, like. How, how can you do it? How can you do it without being drunk? You know, and it's. But then I, I'm also that. kind of I'm kind of mortified now too when I realize like how much people don't actually drink. So right. you know, right. I thought right. I was having so much yeah. fun, and I was like, "Oh, I'm so fun!" Blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Now I'm with the same group of people at the same place for dinner, and I realize like. Yeah, that that yep. wasn't happening. Yeah, I was the only one drinking <laughs> only that much. Only for yeah. me. Exactly. I don't know, Jean. Does that resonate with you? I hear you laughing. Oh yeah, that's a that's a that's a me too laugh. That's a knowing laugh on my part. I I was very good at um, facilitating fun for other people when I was when I was really active. When I was really struggling with my alcohol, I would throw these big parties, or we would host, you know, really quite elaborate things and I would do all this cooking. I would make sure everybody else was set up to have fun. But then I couldn't really relax and have fun because I never wanted anyone to see me drunk. So I I would set it all up and make, you know, keep everyone's glasses going and drink 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 so that I could drink some, but I really wanted them to go home around 11 or 12 so that then I could have, you know, a couple good fish bowls for a nightcap and <laughs> So it was. It was. Yeah, I think. Um, I think I was. Uh, I was getting other people to drink more than they normally would have, but then I was also yes. wanting to hurry up and get out. You know. 
So I don't know. Yeah. I was kind of I was I was a little bit frantic almost and I I really do have a lot more fun now. We've hosted a lot of parties since I've quit drinking and and um like you say other people really don't drink that much and I mean unless they have a problem and most people are okay, you know. And it's, right. it's it is completely different. I'm I'm surprised at how different it is. I I really saw the world yeah. through my through my drinking goggles. I really did. Well, you yeah, know, it's funny. This kind of ties too. something that kind of ties into what was said earlier. And this is that I think one of the things that makes some of the things that we thought weren't fun before more fun is that we have more patience for them because we're not craving the alcohol that comes next to it. And I think Gene might have already tapped in on that when you're doing stuff throughout the day and you're not able to enjoy it because you're kind of thinking about the alcohol. But once that constant strain of when's it coming or when's the next thing is out of it then hanging out at events that are normally oh god when can i get out of here you actually can sit and enjoy the activity that's being offered and find out that there's a lot more fun in the the stuff that you were just kind of sitting through yeah particularly i find um concerts now if i go and see a band that i'm into I just have the best time because I'm totally present. I'm not trying to get to the bar. Where am I going to have another drink? Where am I going to put my drink? How can I hold my drink and dance at the same time? I need another drink. Where's the toilet? Now I go to a mm-hmm. concert and I just sit there. And a concert is the most fun you can have sober because the mm-hmm. the artist or the band put on the most amazing sensory experience with lights and music I mean, it's just totally driven at you for your enjoyment. And I just have the most fantastic time now if I ever go to a concert. And I've got a huge long list of memories of concerts that I've just been wasted at and wasted the whole night away. Some favourite artists of mine who travelled all the way to New Zealand, um, one in particular, and I just got so drunk I can hardly remember it. I fell over at one point. I just was standing up and then I fell over. I mean, it was just, you know, who's having yeah. fun here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was a famous faller. It, it's too bad that you wouldn't weren't able to, um, you know, overnight to Philadelphia. Just What was it, Scott, two weeks ago that you did your big concert? Last, to, last weekend, yeah. Was it last week weekend? Ago. Whoa. Yeah, and then I had big, another big, big whopper concert. That's right. We rocked it. I might have been the only person in the room in that. And you just feel so free yeah. that you're not boozing. You just feel so free. Well, when, yeah. you, when you're really um, having fun out and you're not boozing, yeah. you hit this amazing high because you're also in the back of your mind thinking, God, this is great and I'm free of yes. the, 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 the drink. A lot of that's how that that And then you drive yourself home. <laughs> yeah. well, have you ever had that experience, you guys, of almost feeling drunk? Like having so yeah. much fun yeah. and being so oh, yeah. carried away and complete yeah. um, uh, don't care what other people think. You're just having fun yeah. and you think, oh, my gosh, this is a, a yeah. pure so endorphin. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny, great? just the other day my daughter asked what the word intoxicated means And when my wife was explaining it to her uh, It came up that you don't have to have substances to feel this intoxicated feeling And I think that's what kind of, you know, that's it's when you're completely That's a good one, actually, I'll use it with my kids Yes, yeah, stuck into the moment of something so much that it, it takes you over mm. Yeah. Nice. Well, and I was thinking that freedom thing, like right, right before the, right before I got sober I remember meeting my friend at this wine bar and she was talking about something and I was, I have to say, I was like enraged. I I was anxious and angry, like, where is this waitress? Why is she taking so long? In my mind, I'm saying this, and my friend is talking about something, you know, probably important. And I'm thinking, okay, get the champagne over here. And we ordered and she brought over the glass of champagne and in my mind, I was like, F this. This isn't going to be enough. Like, why? She should be bringing, like, three right now because I and, – and it took me – so then I drank the first glass of champagne really fast, and only then did I sort of settle down into quote-unquote listening because I'm not sure how <laughs> present I ever really was. But 
and it that really struck me that even at that night when I kind of snapped out of it, out of like this anger mode, I remember being like, oh, that was a little warning bell of like, mm. you're not even, it's not the first drink that's getting me drunk. It's actually the thought of the first drink that's getting me drunk. I mean, and that's not fun at all. I, I wasn't even with my friend in that moment. Physically, I was right. sitting there, but in my, my mind was totally overcome. Catherine, we've heard this on the show before where people say, you know, that alcohol numbed the bad feelings that we were trying to get rid of, but it also numbed our capacity to enjoy the good. Yes. It really does make it harder to have fun. We think of it as a symbol of fun. I'm having fun now. I'm having a drink. Now the fun begins because clearly I'm not working. We're hardwired into that, aren't we? We're we're really Mm -hmm. hardwired to believe that the only way to have fun is by drinking. I mean, I know that my country is like that, and, and there's a slow shift happening, I believe, but it's hard for me to judge because I'm biased. But as a nation, we are really hardwired to believe that the best way to have a party is to drink a lot. And the mm-hmm. best way to enjoy a wedding is to drink a lot. And we just mm-hmm. need to try and shift, you know, that belief. And I've done it in myself, and I can realize it, and I can rave on about it till the cows come home, that it actually is total bollocks. I mean, really, the fun is in mm-hmm. the intrinsic elements of the event. It's not in your glass. Mm-hmm. No, and, mm-hmm. and people, that's another thing. We I, I don't know about anybody else, but, I mean, I, we hear it all the time. Like, well, I can't get sober because my partner and I are going to Italy for two weeks in February. So <laughs> I can't get sober now because... I obviously can't go to Italy or, you know, and people are probably sick of me talking about my wedding, but I just kind of feel like I hear that all the time. Well, like, how can I not drink at my wedding or on my honeymoon or we're going on a cruise and I can't do that. I'm like, I did all of those things and I was sober and it was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, I think, you know, the thing is when, because we're all hardwired to believe this, about drinking being the best way to have fun, it does take a while after we get sober to retrain our brains to shift that hardwired belief. It can be done, but it takes time. So if you have got something that's happening next month, the truth of the matter is if you get sober this month and then go, you probably won't have fun because you won't have retrained your brain enough yet to realise that the fun isn't in the glass, you know? So you have to allow yourself some time to do that retraining because it just takes a lot of work in your own brain with your own thoughts. Every time that belief flies in, that thought, oh, I can't have fun, you have to attack it and and head on, recognize it, and then fight it. And it takes practice, practice, practice until you just, the thoughts fly in and you're you're just like, oh, that's bullshit, and you slap it away. (laughs) Yeah. I challenge that idea because I think you could go and have fun. It's just you might not recognize when you're having fun. And you might have equal amounts of some very pleasurable moments at an event mm-hmm. when you're early sober, mm-hmm. balanced or you know countered with some really awkward moments of mm-hmm. what do you say to the waiter. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, you feel like you kind of are, have no skin or have a gorilla suit, as you said. Mm-hmm. So I, I think... It's possible. It's good to go. Still go, but maybe go with the expectation of there, there's probably going to be a few good moments. I might have to really reflect on them afterwards to find them. There's also probably yeah. going to be a few awkward moments, but I can get through them. And then and I'll you, have don't to you don't yeah. want to delay. You don't want to delay getting sober for, until that event's over, because there'll always be an upcoming event. There will exactly. always be something uh, you know to wait for. <laughs> well, you know, this is, sort of. Thinking in on what Lada said a little bit about the the waiting for the time, I totally understand part of that as far as what your expectations of the fun will be. And well, I have I have a friend who is drinking, and he was thinking about he's thinking about stopping, and he is about to go on a tour soon with this movie that he is uh, he's created. And he said to me, you know, I really want to be sober for that because I want to be present to have good fun while I'm there and be present at the not always thinking. And what I told him, and it just reminds me of what Lada said, I said, you know, if if that's how you're feeling, I really feel you need to stop drinking now because even if you are not drinking physically during those those 
times, if that's right after you quit, your brain is not going to be firing yet at the mm. points to. And so there, there is definitely something to like, there's this whole long period of awakening. And, and I didn't understand it at first when I read somewhere that they say uh, it takes five years to really be really clear of the, I still don't know what the, you know, I don't know if, what I believe, but certainly I'm two and a half years in right now and I am getting clearer in the head every day. It's and, still uh, happening. Eh? I'm amazed with that too, because I'm only yeah. just ahead of you three in a bit, but I think it's still becoming clearer to me now. Every time yeah. I go through something, I learn more. So, so I think it's like a bigger book that you can a, see. It, yeah. I have a page on my blog where I actually post pictures of fun stuff that I've done since I've gotten sober because I know in early sobriety it's so hard to believe that you will have any fun, be any fun, be able to travel. And so when I do, when I'm out doing something that's, I think, oh, this is interesting. You know what? I never would have thought I could do this before I quit drinking. I never thought this would be fun sober. I make sure I put a picture of it up there just to give people some hope. <laughs> to mm. Not that my life is like such a riot. I mean, I'm a pretty average person, but I think it's just, it, I've heard back from people that say it does give them hope and it makes them realize that they they are going to have some adventures ahead of them. You're right, it does, well, it does those, take some time. Some of those and I have in my notes like, here, more, more I, variety. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that, Scott. What's that? Talk well, I was just going to say that it, rem- it reminds me that, um, that the the what I found I'm finding fun in a lot more things so and there's there's three things that are all kind of tied together one is that because I don't drink anymore I'm able to get to and get from a lot more things than I used to so I'm out a lot more and about instead of like and um it it's allowed me to be more spontaneous so if I get a call like for example my brother once called and said he lives in Baltimore which is about an hour and a half for me says I have concert tickets on a week night do you want to come and if I during my drinking time it just wouldn't have happened but I I'm able to do stuff like that but then you know today I was ice skating in Philadelphia you know I probably would have been too hung over to do that with my kids if I was drinking uh or miniature golf or like all of these little things that you know or when just traveling around nooking around and and in and out of stuff getting interested in what's happening instead of just kind of blowing through. So I could see how like a blog where you post the things that you're doing could be filled with tons of new things that you probably wouldn't have tried because drinking teams, you know, the whole satisfaction thing has you thinking that what I'm doing right now is the only thing that's fun, which is either going out or, or whatever you associate as fun instead of variety being fun. Yeah, I mean, what about you, Lada? Have you found new things that you're you're getting out there doing? Um, sort of. Um, my life's pretty. Um, you know, I'm a housewife, mum. We don't go out a lot unless it's a a fortieth birthday or a wedding, or occasionally we might have a date night. But I think. For me, because I was already social, I like socialising. I'll, I'll I'll happily go to a barbecue or a, or a dinner and, and get energy out of socialising. For me, more for me, finding the fun was finding the fun in the, in the quiet times. And now mm. I have a lot more fun in the quiet times, and I never used to have fun in the quiet times. I was very uncomfortable in the quiet times. So... Mm-hmm. For me, it's been kind of the other way around. Um, I'm now, you know, for me, it's so fun to climb into my bed at night with about three cookbooks, the iPad, the TV on, a scented candle, and a cup of really lovely tea. That For me, that is the ultimate fun. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds amazing. I know. I want to do that right now. <laughs> so, you know, like uh, someone who's drunk right now is going to be like, "What the hell are they talking about?" <laughs> but trust us, on the other side, that's heaven. I know it is, right? But, but also, I, for me, I feel you know, like music is a big, big tool in my toolbox, my sober toolbox, and I know that cheesy pop music actually lifts me, you know, inside, and I I play it when I'm when I'm feeling like I need a lift, or or I'm already in a good mood and I want to just have fun, I can put on music and that at home, in the car or whatever, and that's a huge thing for me in my sober life. Music is a biggie. The cheesier, the better. 
I love it. I'm I'm right there with you, but I feel like I do have to kind of give a little shout out to the introverts because I'm somebody who talks a lot, so I seem like I'm an extrovert and really social, but I'm actually an introvert because I get my energy from being alone, whereas a true extrovert, even if they're quiet, gets energy by being with other people. And the interesting thing is is that many alcoholics report being isolators, and I know that I'm a champion isolator, but I'm also an introvert, so I need that alone time to really recharge. And so I just want to sort of put that out there, that sometimes I feel like I have a hard time parsing when I'm actually recharging my batteries and when I, I really need to force myself to get out because I need to be with other people. Um, well, do you think that some introverts, some people, some int- people who are naturally introverted drink to try and force themselves to be extroverted? I know oh, I did. So I'll give you... Yeah, I'll give you an example. Like um, last weekend, I was invited to a birthday party, and it was this this woman's 40th birthday party, and she had rented out a bar, and they had this band and, you know, past hors d'oeuvres and, you know, this great little vibe. And I just, I didn't really know anybody there. I it, It's a friend that I don't really socialize kind of with all of her big group, so I dragged somebody along with me because my husband wasn't available and I just stood like we walked in the door and I just stood there like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't know anybody unless I'm getting paid to network, which I have to do all the time. I've talked about that on the show. Like, I don't feel like making small talk. I don't feel like talking about the weather, the holidays, (laughs) whatever and I just I know I I had this moment of thinking that I had like the ghost of Christmas past where it was like I would have had a glass of champagne and it was like the Catherine meter would go up and I could (laughs) turn it on with very little effort then and and not feel uncomfortable and kind of become the life of the party until of course that there was sort of that danger zone that in the end got harder to figure out when it would be. I mean, before it was sort of reliably after X number of drinks, but then towards the end as my disease progressed, it became very unpredictable. So it could be one drink, 10 drinks, and then I would be like falling down. Um, I'm sure that was no fun for anybody. Um, So, but that was kind of my, that was my thing. And, you know, I probably, in that scenario that I'm describing, I probably would have not felt quite that way if I had known more people. Um, so what but, did you do? Yeah. Um, the friend that I brought with, she went immediately to the bar, and she knows that I'm sober. Um, she's a normie. She got me a club soda, and the, actually the band was really great. So we kind of found this bar had a little corner with like couches and stuff and it was right near the band and we sat there and kind of rocked out to the band for an hour and then I just said to her I'm like I'm out of here I can't I have no business in a bar at at this moment you know like if it were and the re and but but interestingly the reason that I went has to do with my sobriety because I had actually been feeling very isolated and if that's a word not (laughs) feeling like isolating (laughs) and um feeling really blue all day and it was raining cats and dogs and the last thing that I felt like doing was getting in a taxi and going downtown to a stupid bar like with people that I don't know I mean it really but the thing was was that part of my recovery has to do with me being in my integrity I told this girlfriend of mine that I would go to her 40th birthday party and I have to keep my word. When I was drinking, I would have been like, meh, you know what? I can't go. It's raining. I'm going to go drink on my own somewhere. I would have made up a reason and I would have felt guilty, but I would have been made it justified. So I actually, that was my motivation for going was staying in my integrity 
but that didn't mean I had to stay either. Mm. So, she, you know, and she was flitting around with, it was a big crowd of people, so it wasn't like, you know, she, I talked to her. It's not like she didn't know I wasn't there. I didn't say hi to her, but, um, yeah, so I don't know if that makes any sense, but. Perfect. Good example, and I think you did, you know, your reasons for going were really good, and you probably had some self-fulfillment and showed your friend that you went and good on you. Three cheers. Well, thanks. And, I mean, you know, I think that that goes back to your authenticity thing at the beginning, that, like, you know, checking our motivations is always a really good call when we're trying to so did, decide what we're doing. Did you feel okay when you went when you got home? I felt really relieved. I, I felt a big sigh of relief when when I got home. Um, not that I felt like I was in any danger of drinking. It wasn't that. But for me, it's kind of like, you know, enough of those episodes mm. kind of messes with the thinking is my belief, you know. So, um, and, and, you know, I've said this before on the show that we don't have to, we don't, we can say no to things like we don't have right. to go to everybody's birthday party, every holiday party, even if like, you know, Aunt Edie is making her famous gefilte fish for Hanukkah, for <laughs> night of Hanukkah. Like you don't have to go. Like even yeah. if no, you like, have to go to that. You have to go to that. No, you no. don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you do. You gotta get that fish. <laughs> Only because her latkes are so good. But, you know, I mean, we can – but this, this is the thinking. Like, we can get ourselves into the mode of, like, well, you know, my I friends think that or my family. You know, go ahead, Scott. Well, you just have a good balance there because I, when you went home that night, you were able to, first of all, uh, I love I, – I totally am with you on the integrity thing right now, and that has gotten me into a lot of <laughs> funny situations of saying I'm going to say I'll be somewhere. But now I'm learning I might not always want to say I'll be everywhere. <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. so uh, I am – like it's just I'm kind of learning both of those same things also at the same time, which is uh, to it feels good to be integ- to have the integrity. But then also I then do things sober, and I'm like, hmm, I might not do that ever again now that I'm doing it sober. It just wasn't <laughs> as fun this time. Uh, Do you have any great examples that are that are? I'm uh, trying to think. Definitely hanging. Well, probably not too safe to air, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, But definitely, no specifics that are coming to my mind. But definitely, people who I've hung out with that I always thought I had fun with, and then when I hang out with them sober, I'm sure that that's probably crossed over the bubble hour many, many times. Yeah, and also Um, um, if it's a party that you know is just going to be. Extremely boozy, like that is the right, focus of the right. party. Those ones. <laughs> well, you know what's one thing that kind of, and maybe this is a, a little box soapbox I'm going to get on pet PV, but uh, and it, again, it ties in what Lada said is that we are in such an alcohol centric culture that one of the things that does kind of annoy me is um, when there's fundraisers that are based around alcohol, and here in the states where I'm from. Uh, even at the the elementary school that our kids were going to, there was this little school, they had a fundraiser, and they had this throw-the-ring-on-the-bottle-of-booze uh, game no. that I thought was, I was like, this is at an elementary school. And then all of these nonprofits are now doing this fundraising where it's you go to a bar and it's called celebrity bartending where they get sort of local people that people know to be the bartenders, and then all of the tips go to the uh, the thing and so for me it's just such a weird thing and this is one thing that before I would go to and have no problem but now I'm like you're raising money for like youth who are in jail at a bar drinking mm-hmm. in a white neighborhood like there's just so much twisted stuff that's like and so there's an example of something that I'm like you know what I'm not doing that anymore <laughs> so I guess I do have sort of a specific yeah it's a big ship to turn around that one but I you know I believe slowly it's happening but it's going to take a while till that filters through to that level it happens here in New Zealand as well. Yeah, and, you know, it, it occurs to me as we're talking about that to give a little shout-out if, if there are people listening who like to read about this stuff. Um, the book by Anne Dowsett Johnson, who has been on the show before, um, called Drink. I think the kind of subtitle is The Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. Um, 
she because Anne Dosa Johnson is a journalist, the book is part memoir, but it's also part um, journalistic analysis of the culture of advertising in particular and how the the alcohol um, companies started to say, huh, you know, we kind of got the men, the men wired, but how are we going to pull more women in? And how they sort of systematically went about doing that. Um, it's definitely a read for anybody who's got um, daughters who are maybe going into high school or, or university. Um, but it's really for everybody. It's, it's you know it's how that we how we have become steeped because it's been sort of corporately promoted. It's um, and we did a program with Ann Dowsa Johnson, so you can look back in the archives that was Jean I think you were on that one in 2013 it was mm-hmm. my first ever um, bubble hour interview came out it, swinging yeah that's what I thought yes yeah, so <laughs> very shout cool out to, shout out to that book because it, it it's not that book. we it's not that we think that we're steeped in it because we feel like we have our individual experiences it's like there's uh Statistical evidence that we're mm-hmm. that we're steeped in it. Yeah. So she uses the term alcoholic society. It's mm. a term that she coined for just the the way that it permeates so many aspects of our society and interaction and marketing and business. And um, right, it's, it's it's fascinating how it resonates in ways that we when you think about it, you, you realize, oh yeah, I bought into that. Mm-hmm. Well, and hopefully, I mean, just, you know, these these conversations that we have, whether it's on the Bubble Hour or, you know, Jean and Lotta on your blogs or, um, Lotta, do you want to tell us a little bit, actually, too, about your new um, online forum that you've well, set up? After having, after having to said that um, New Zealand is, you know, hardwired in, in a boozy way, we, I've been really fortunate that I've actually got government money. So the addiction sector, the the, the, the wow. um, agencies in New Zealand who are tasked with trying to fix or improve our drinking culture, have funded a website for me to run, which is basically like my blog, but way more interactive. So I still write posts on there. It's it's called Living Sober, and the Website is livingsober.org.nz, but there's a um, you can register to become a member, and once you're a member and it's free and you can be anonymous, you can enter into this area of the website where you just talk to other people. I just had this feeling with my blog that I was getting all this traffic, but it was very limited in the in in the um, interconnectedness. I would post, and then people could comment, and that was it really. And now all of the people that are visiting me. Um, can actually talk to each other as well. So it's just a community. It's just a very simple concept, which is community. You know, we can help each other. All of our stories are different, but if we share them, we are all strengthened. And it's the the kindest, warmest, most lovely, most amazing, amazing space on the Internet that is really working, <laughs> and people are in there getting sober. So it's, it's That's been amazing. great. That's so, amazing. What's the website again? I was I was not writing down fast enough. Livingsober.org.org.nz. NZ or NZ for the Yanks listening. <laughs> NZ, um, that's right. Dot org, dot NZ. Um, yeah, right. it's open to the world. I mean, we have we have a lot of Americans in there, and English, and all, and Australians, and anywhere, you know, anyone, anywhere. It's just it just happens to be funded. But they, you know, they've just funded it and set it up, and then they've give, left it to me. I mean, I just. I just run it, and I'm in there every day talking to people, and I do a little celebration roundup every day of all the round numbers that people have reached of how sober they are, and it's it's lovely. There's oh, nothing like the connection with other people in recovery. That is where something magical happens when you connect with other people yep. in recovery, whether it's online, in person. I have to say that one of the most fun weeks I've had since I got sober was I went to Mexico for a retreat for for women in recovery. Uh, SheRecovers.org organizes these retreats several times a year. And I did not know what to expect, but I thought, well, you know what, if this is a total drag, at least I'll be on a beach for a week and I can handle that. I had 
so much fun. I laughed so hard and talked so much, listened so much, learned so much. But it was so fun. And I've had a couple other meetups with women from an online group. Not to say that men aren't fun, but just that's who I've met with. It's just been amazing. I, You know, there's something about the laugh that you share with someone who knows where you don't have to finish the sentence, you know. We hear that laughter a lot of times on the bubble hour. And there's a lot of that, and it's just a really freeing, fun, fun thing. So connecting yeah, with people absolutely. recovery is, is much more fun than you'd think. Like I thought it was going to be all, you know, therapy and talking and blah, blah, <laughs> What, you know, meeting people in recovery. I thought it would. I, I just. I. I thought about, you know, the recovery meetings I'd seen on TV or in meetings, and I just thought any time you talk to someone else in recovery, it would be like that. It's. It's not. It's, it's. It's so fun, and it's just as pleasurable as this conversation right now. You know, just I can't say enough right. good things about it. So once again, the bubble hour lands on build your sober community. Mm-hmm. That's. It's right. always such a big takeaway. Right. So we're we're actually we're coming up we're at the top of the hour here. So um, it, time always flies here in the the other universe of the bubble hour. Um, so let's go around the group and share what's a, a point that you've learned and and will take away from tonight's show. Scott, why don't I put you on the spot and start with you? Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, I think that, you know, fun is a pure human emotion. And sometimes I do believe that maybe we're even here just to have fun. I don't know. and But alcohol and whatever has associated with it to fun, whether your fun is doing a crossword puzzle, dancing on a beach, or or sailing, what, what, or, or walking, uh, that that pure thing that what is joy and is fun is not what is alcohol does not produce that it just kind of might be associated with it to someone who's drinking so much and so i would just say remember you know it might take time for it to envelop and and to to open up again and for you to feel it as pure as you had before but that it is there and that the cape you know the magic is in you you don't need the cape to Mm -hmm. do it Mm -hmm. gene how about you um, I really loved the notion that self-acceptance is the birthplace of fun. I think it takes away our self-reflexiveness of wondering what are people thinking of me. Um, you can act goofy and know it's okay. It's okay to be goofy and, and to have fun and not worry how you look to others. Um, you know, as long as you're not in church <laughs> or at a funeral, it's okay. And um, But I think it also gives us permission as I heard on the show tonight, that, you know what, if you're not having fun, that's okay, too. You don't have to force it. You don't have to fake it. It's okay to go have a quiet conversation in the corner, and that will probably be quite enjoyable, even if it isn't technically fun. So I think recovery, like not just sobriety, but recovery leads us to work on self-acceptance, and I really think that's where the fun, for me, really started to grow. I love that. And Lada, last word goes to you. Oh, uh, but just—I mean, even just hearing all of your guys, you guys describe your fun. I think you know isn't necessarily my fun. I think the point is find your authentic fun, and whatever your mm-hmm. fun is, is the best fun. You know, it's, don't compare. Right. And don't think that the whole world is doing one thing and you're not. Whatever whatever feels fun to you is is the best fun. So redefine the fun for yep. yourself. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. Here, oh, Clowno. Oh, Clowno. We hope that you're on the show again because my takeaway Speaker is meeting. that you're the best clown. Oh. He said anytime. He's he's kind of motioning to me. <laughs> I think I think that's he's, what he's motioning. I mean, he's in his authenticity now. I can I can he tell. Is he's totally he's pure right now. In his integrity, <laughs> he's he's showing up, clean, neat, and sober. He's suiting up and showing up. He is. He is. <laughs> and his horn is polished. 
Well, well, sober is better, and and as the famous recovery saying goes, we are not a glum lot, and that is true. So I'd like to thank you, Lada and Scott, for sharing your time and sense of joy and fun with us. And please remember to check out Lada's blog, Mrs. D is Going Without, and also uh, livingsober.org.nz to join a recovery community uh, chaired by Lada. And Jean, as always, I'm sending you a bouquet and a hug as usual. Um, oh. It's been great being here. Thank you, everyone. And Thank as you we so close, much. Thank you. Thank you. So as we close, we'd like to direct you to our parent organization, ShiningStrong.org. There you will find links to all of our resources, including the Bubble Hour and Crying Out Now and other initiatives around recovery advocacy. Visit the Bubble Hour's website at thebubblehour.com to find a link to many recovery resources, including Jean's blog, Unpickled, and our email address, thebubblehour at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please let us know your feedback about tonight's show and any other topic suggestions. We thank all of you for listening to the Bubble Hour and hope you all have a great evening. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night, everyone. Bye. Good night. Bye.